1: Hello listeners, welcome to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast. My name is Steven Jotter and joining me today is Jake Watroba, no Armanca Fai, and we got a special guest. It's all about the 4-0 victory over Guyana. We'll be talking a lot about that. Looking forward to the Trinidad and Tobago match in the second game of Gold Cup group play. Now listeners, if you haven't done so already, Follow us at Unk Sam Soccer Pod. Hit that subscribe button to whichever podcast platform you are listening to, and leave us a five star review. Alrighty, listeners. Yes, we finally have a competitive game under Greg Brohalter to talk about. But before that, special guest at Home Sweet Soccer. It's Jason, the Stephen A. Smith of soccer. How we doing?
2: What it do, baby? I'll that is my uh, that's my Kawhi impression. That's pretty good, right? <laughs> 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 <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> I'm a fun guy. Let, let's begin with this deadspin. Patrick Redford had this to open up, recapping last night's game. While the United States women's national team is in France, mounting what looks destined to be a helicious defense of their World Cup title, their disgraced counterparts on the men's side quietly played and won their first competitive game since, well, that game in Trinidad and Tobago. Well, guys, competitive game, first one since Trinidad and Tobago, a 4-0 victory over the 177th ranked team in the world. Two goals from Tyler Boyd, one from Paul Arriola, and Jossie Zardes with probably one of the luckiest goals he'll ever get in his career. Somehow,
3: I don't,
2: somehow, I don't even think so. I think like Zardes has just tops himself. Didn't he have a butt goal last year? Now he's got an eye goal. I I'm excited to see what hey, his next goal. Is. He's the Mark Sanchez of soccer, but with progress. <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> let's uh let's get uh, Greg Berhalter's thoughts first
4: first game of a tournament is always a little bit nervy Um, you know I remember back in the day in in youth soccer uh, tournaments you know the first game's always right it's always a little bit nervy so you know we expected a lot of the same and and we told the guys um, you know enjoy the experience Um, you know it's competition time and and I felt that we um, you know we slowly got out of um, the nerves and started playing.
1: Jason I, I mean berhalter there is talking about being nervous and i'm sitting here going you're nervous against the hundredth and 77th ranked team i get it's the first game of a competition but you're not playing
2: spain i mean the way the u.s has been playing I, everyone probably looks like spain to them right so and i i get why he's nervous because everyone this is this is the thing right like every there. are is so much that relies on this Gold Cup, I think more than any other year uh, within the past decade, right? Just because it's been a year now, he's brought in his players, he's putting in his system, and if there's no definitive wins, if there's no progress, like if if they don't make the finals in, in a fan base and in a country right now to where we're complaining about everything surrounding with U.S. soccer, which, you know, credit we probably deserve to, I think he's just nervous to make sure that that first game, they went out there, you know, started on the right foot, and didn't end up with a draw or somehow getting a counterattack and losing. So I could see why he was nervous. I could see why the players were nervous. Um, but yeah, I, like for a man who doesn't say much, that's probably not the one thing he should say.
3: <laughs> yeah, I I agree with uh, with Jason there. That so many times when, at least recently, I should say after these last three. U.S. men's national team games, every time Greg Berhalter opens his mouth to talk about the player's performance or how the players are feeling, it and we saw this a couple days ago, he, 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 he doesn't sound very confident in his side right now. And I, I get, you know, this is the first big competitive match for the U.S. since losing to Trinidad and Tobago uh, about, what, 16 or 18 months ago. But it's Guyana. This should have been a cakewalk. And I get the scoreline indicated, you know, they won 4-0. But it was anything but. It didn't look impressive at all yesterday. They they let Guyana settle into that game for the first, I don't know, 20, 25 minutes of that match. Guyana didn't look like they were uncomfortable. They didn't look like they were out of their league. They were, they were playing with the U.S. And and it, it's just, it, I don't know, it, it's not a good look for the U.S. I didn't understand why they didn't press to start the match. They they waited uh, until about halfway through the first half, before they really started to press Guyana, it it there was a, a lot about that match that, that should make you very confident if you're a U.S. men's national team fan.
1: Well, this leads us to the question of the day, and it, it kind of extends off of our kind of preview show in air quotes. There, uh, listeners at Unc Sam Soccer Pod, did the game ease your mind? Did the result four 0 over the 177th ranked team? I know in the flawed FIFA rankings, but still, majority of these players play in lower division English football. You have a $70 million man on your side. You have players who are expected to perform well. And yet, guys, early on in the game, it looked like the U.S. gave way too much respect to Guyana. It was a slow start. Christian Pulisic seemed to be the most talented player, but he also seemed to just dis- disappear. It's it's mind-boggling and and on Twitter what was going around were the comments made by Ray Hudson, quote this continues to be a problem with football in this country. Fans look at the scroll and see the 4-0 scoreline and they're happy with the result in all caps. It's all about the result in all caps. The football wasn't good enough against Guyana, not even close. What are your thoughts to this?
2: I think that man's been on Twitter for a co- collective total of two minutes in his whole entire life. I haven't seen anybody really say anything positive about the performance. Uh, and like I said, I think we're like the, as a as a collective, I think a lot of fans are just in this negative mindset right now too, the, where they want to nitpick everything. Um, and some things deservedly, right? Like I don't know why Tim Reem is still playing uh, national football. I just don't. I don't know what he has on Triple G. I don't know. If he's secretly his son-in-law, I don't know. But the fact that he keeps getting these starts, I, I don't get it. Uh, but, you know, I, I did like a lot of things. All in the middle and putting the pressure in the middle. Uh, like you said, in the first 20 minutes or so, they really didn't do much of pressing, and they kind of were falling into it. But maybe that was the nervousness, right? And maybe that was a direction of Burt Halter saying, hey, let's calm down for the first 20 minutes. We know we're the better team, so let's just get our footing under us and then we can attack. Um, So I did like that. And then, yeah, Polisic did in the second half kind of disappear, but I thought Boyd was absolutely great, uh, especially taking people on. I think right now both him and Polisic showed that the one thing that the U.S. has been lacking in the past couple months was wingers being able to take people one-on-one or Mm -hmm. Is anybody being able to take someone one-on-one? And I think they both did an excellent job at that, especially Boyd, right? And I don't know if it's just because Boyd's new and he's got something to prove, and I don't know if that kind of aggression... And that momentum's going to last, but I hope it does because he's the type of player, he gets the ball and it doesn't just, it looks like he's not scared of anyone who's in front of him. He's going to take anybody on. And you can see Pulisic, he knows he has the skills to where he can take someone on the sideline, stop his dribble and then do a, you know, a, a cute flick to get by or, you know, have the speed to get by somebody. So I did like those, and I do think those are going to be beneficial moving on. Uh, It is the first game. They're lucky it's against Guyana, and they're lucky their second game's against Trinidad and Tobago. I think if it was (laughs) against a much more physical team like Panama, like if they had to play Panama last night, it would have been a lot different, right? Because Panama, uh, with their physicality, they are very good at stopping teams, getting into their groove. And yeah, if you wait 20 minutes before you start playing the way you actually want to play and put that pressure on, it might be a little bit too late. But you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna be the person that comes on and tries to spread a little bit of positivity. Oh, uh, Mr.
1: Positivity! Uh, you know,
2: you know, I I uh, have Stockholm syndrome, and so <laughs> I openly um, admit it. But you know, I. I don't. I wasn't convinced that it was a you know a four zero thrashing and that right. they're back. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I do think that there are parts of it that people aren't really looking at. Like Weston McKinney, I think was great for because he's not had a set position in forever. Right, that man's played pretty much every position in the past year. So for him to be able to come out there and find his spot, you know, make those runs in the middle, be able to intercept those passes and those counterattacks. I thought he looked really good out there uh, until he cramped up after 75 minutes, which I don't know if that's a great sign. But, uh, you know, I do think that there are some positives that happen. The only thing I'm super afraid about is that defense because it still does look super suspect. Tyler Boyd was no doubt the best player on the pitch. And this is what Greg Berhalter
1: had to say about Tyler Boyd post-match.
4: You know, it's what we've been talking about. The verticality, um, the finishing, the, um, the work rate, you know, all those things is what we've been discussing. And um, I think it was a good start for him.
3: Yeah, guys, Tyler Boyd definitely looked to be the the uh, best player on the, the pitch for the U.S., which is a positive sign because of these last, you know, these, the previous two matches against Venezuela and, and Jamaica, there wasn't a whole lot to be, uh, there wasn't a whole lot of silver linings, if you will, Uh, in those two matches. But I do want to talk about Paul Areola, the other winger last night for the U.S. Paul talking about confidence after the the team had stumbled in their friendlies against Jamaica and Venezuela. Uh, Paul's quoted here from Jeff Carlisle of ESPN.com. One thing I'll say about the team on the inside, it's been nothing like it's been on the outside. We're extremely confident. When we looked back at the games, we saw where we could improve and we saw what worked and what didn't. I give a lot of credit to the coaching staff and what they do. The positivity around the team helps us when it's a low time, like after Venezuela. And so sounds like the U.S. This team still, according to Paul uh, Ariola here, are still are still a confident bunch, although. During that Venezuela match, they didn't look very confident. I I, I would say, but it's it's nice to hear that mentally this team hasn't hasn't collapsed. I don't I don't think crumbled. I don't
1: think they're mentally all that strong. I know he says yeah. quote one thing I'll say about the team on the inside it's been nothing like it's been on the outside. But burhalter just talked about nerves in his presser. If this is a confident team, you're not nervous playing the 177th-ranked team in your first competitive match since Trinidad and Tobago.
2: You know, I look at it like Klinsman was your mean dad who, no matter what you did, was going to yell at you. Like, even if you got a B-plus or A-minus on your test, he was going to yell, why didn't you get an A-plus? And now that mom's moved on and Bert Halter's your stepdad, and he's a lot more laid-back. I think the players, you know, still have that trauma of Klinsman and they're, they're expecting to get yelled at. And because Bertolt are so laid back, they don't. And they're like, oh, this is nice. This is better. I feel like I, I can get away with things. Uh, but I agree. I don't think that they're all confidence. I, I think I think the main problem and you can see it, you know, when in that Jamaica game, like you can see when McKinney and other players just didn't know who was supposed to be where and i think what it is is bert halter tried to do too much too soon right like he has a system he and he's even said in his quotes before that he should have stuck with basic stuff um, but instead tried to do to you know tried to implement a system to players who have never played it before and I think you know if they are building confidence it's because they're slowly starting to get that system um, and like I said having Guyana in Trinidad and Trinidad Tobago as your first two games is a great time to fall into that system but yeah I don't believe it I think Ariola uh, has a great PR management team or a great teacher <laughs> and uh, you know that's something that's good for the U.S. though because like I said we need some positivity so shout out to Areola even if he's lying to us, right? He must I, I be listening lies. to
1: you. He must be following you on Twitter. I have no idea what you've been <laughs> tweeting or been saying, but he must be on the J- uh, Jason uh, fanboy club there, pumping, <laughs> pumping his tires up. I mean, yeah, I think this is actually a, an important note, that he, he can at least be displaying this, and we have to, I guess, take it for what it's worth. I personally don't think it is all that strong based on how they played. I know everyone's complaining that Great Halter system is complicated, or the players aren't as talented as our own Armonka would say. But Jake, you and I were texting uh, this afternoon, and you think Christian Pulisic is not playing where he should be.
3: Yeah, I question if Christian Pulisic is capable of playing the number 10 for the national team. Actually, you
1: know what? I question whether or not he's a true leader like everyone thinks he's going to be.
3: You know, I, I'm not ready to say that as a kid who's, what, 20? He's twenty twenty one. 21? Asking him to be the leader, and I get he's the best player in the team,
1: but to ask but him no, to but be he, the leader, Jay, I think Jay, is a here's lot to the put the on his shoulders. This is the expectations the fans have on him. This is not—I don't know—maybe internally they have a different mindset. <laughs> yeah,
2: but who cares about the fans?
1: Like, <laughs> well, Let's yeah, but real. the problem like, is when he doesn't have the captain's armband, or when you don't see him—you know—whining to the referee, or maybe he might be whining to the referee because every soccer player does that. But when you don't see him commanding play, like you see other captains, or yeah. whether he's outspoken and he's gonna, he's there to defend his teammates first, the first moment he can, I think fans will be questioning that because he is the most talented. I know internally it's a stupid argument. Coaches, you know, you're gonna find somebody who's gonna talk to these players, who's gonna be able to influence the players. Pulisic does not have to be the captain. But the noise on the outside will infiltrate that locker room. Paul Ariola can talk about how sunshine and rainbows and unicorns that locker room may be on, whatever planet
2: that is. You don't think that. Let's say the U.S. go to the finals, beat Mexico 3-0, best performance that they've had wow. in years. <laughs> that just, is just, positivity. This is, this is, no, 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 no. This is not positivity. This is literally a no, I, I know what you
1: mean. story You're that I'm writing. writing. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, but let's say Brooke wore the captain's armband that game or Bradley or anybody else. Do you think fans would honestly look at that, see that performance, and then be like, well, you know, Pulisic wasn't wearing the armband. Maybe he's not the leader we thought he was.
1: I don't think fans would really care because they would just care about the fact that they just beat Mexico.
2: Exactly. And then also you have to realize I don't like – just because he's the best, he does not have to be the captain. And Yeah, yeah. I definitely people.
1: agree with you on that right. point. It's the so fans I'm saying, that I'm worried about that they're putting that pressure on him.
2: Yeah, I don't – like, like Ariel said, then you just got to mute the fans because if you depend – or you try to please the fans in every way, then you're just never going to win, right? Because no one's ever going to be 100% satisfied. Even if he was a great captain, there's still going to be someone, there's still going to be a subgroup of fans who believe, oh, well, he's a good captain, but he's not playing in the right position, or oh, he's playing in his right position, but he's not speaking up enough. And it's just, Mm -hmm. I yeah, I would just ignore all that. I think that I am curious to know uh, what you do think his best position is if you don't think it's 10 and if you think that he probably should be on the wing. Um, but yeah, I, you know what, I, I, fans could hate me for saying it, but if I'm an athlete, I don't necessarily care what the fans think about my leadership. I go out there, I do what I do best, and I do what the team needs. If the team needs him to be a leader, that's one thing. If the team has other people that are qualified to lead them, and they just need him to be the creative midfielder, or be the person to beat people one on one down the sides. Then you do that. This is a team game; it's not an individual game. Sure,
1: sure, it is. You're. I, I think you're correct. Ignore the noise, and it's. He doesn't have to be captain, but what we should be talking about is whether or not he's playing the right position, and whether or not he should be in the middle or on the flank. And this is a conversation we had way back in January when I was joined, uh, or when we were. Uh, Joseph Lowry joined us with Armand Gaffay and I were talking about, okay, do you take Christian Pulisic on the wing or do you m- take him in the middle? And I I think Burhalter may have to play around with that. Tyler Boyd, where did he play? On the wing. He had the great... Uh, a, a huge influence. Who was the other winger? Paul Yarola. He also got a goal. The problem is if you put Pulisic on the wing, are you taking someone out of their position now? And And, and and does the United States have a ten in the middle to fill in that role?
2: Who who's our most creative number ten? I mean,
1: is it by default Pulisic? It has
3: it's, by, it's it's by default Pulisic. But right. my thing, so, my thing is though, I just don't, I I just don't think he knows how to play the number ten. I just think he's better off playing on the on the wing. And I get, I get your argument too, Jason. It's like, well, who the hell else is going to do it? You know what I mean? It's kind of like yeah. the, you're Dan. If you do, Dan, if you do. It's kind of, it's also like with Michael Bradley, too. It's like, I mean, can we move on from Michael Bradley? Yeah, we could, but who do you want there? Will Trap? Okay, well, then I guess, yeah, it's probably Michael Bradley then who should be there. Here's
2: how I look at it Do we have wingers that could do a decent job over Polisic compared to creative midfielders who can do a decent job over Polisic, right? It seems like we can replace Polisic on the wing with somebody else who obviously won't be as good, but can do. Be productive. I don't know if we have anybody who can be productive in that number 10. You
1: think Berhalter's system naturally caters to the wings and for the 10 to be at a disadvantage when it comes to production output that everybody's going to
2: see after X amount games? Yeah, I. to be honest, I don't know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> A, a good uh, a good segue into that though would probably be this week's uh this weekend's match against Trinidad and Tobago.
1: Yes, let's and let's talk about it. Let, let's I can talk tell...
2: about Trinidad and Tobago because you are let's... quite
1: excited about this match.
2: I was until I remembered with watching Trinidad and Tobago for the past 20 years of my life was actually uh doing to my soul and realize, oh yeah I forgot this is actually absolutely heartbreaking and I shouldn't be getting excited (laughs) over this um but one thing I think you guys should definitely check out and I don't first foremost I miss Stephen Hart so Stephen Hart I don't know if you listen to these podcasts but please come back and coach Trinidad and Tobago please I I miss you so much um but that aside one thing you'll notice with Trinidad and Tobago is they did not put any pressure on number 10 or any pressure even in number six when he came up in the from going box to box in the midfield they're, they're just kind of sitting back and allowing the creativity to happen so when we talk about Bert Holter's system when we talk about the production I think whoever's playing the 10 spot this weekend is going to get more space than they could have ever imagined especially when Trinidad and Tobago keeps playing people like Cypress uh, who is who has been 28 years old for the past 10 years and plays like it and is afraid to come up into the box, just kind of uses his height and stays back. And when you watch the Panamanian first goal, you'll see it's because he kept going back as he was being attacked as opposed to coming up on the ball to block the shot. So I think when you look at how Trinidad and Tobago plays and you look at that kind of emptiness that they have in that area it's going to give Pulisic or whoever is playing that, that position a lot of space and maybe that's what they need right to build their confidence up to kind of try things out to try those through balls to you know take some early shots um I think that that's going to do wonders for their confidence do you
1: expect Jake Burhalter to make many changes against this Trinidad Tobago obviously the health of Weston McKenney who who got pulled uh, due to an injury, Berhalter said it was, it was minor, so he's technically fine. Burhalter also in his press conference talked about two planned subs, so he had a third, and that was used on McKinney. So it seems like Burhalter has a plan when it comes to attacking these games, knowing that you know Guyana wasn't really going to pose a threat, that he strategically pulled players off early, probably gave them extra rest in advance of an important game, against a much more talented squad in Trinidad and Tobago versus Guyana.
3: Yeah, I think you might see, just looking at the roster here, I think you might see a change or two in the starting 11. I could definitely see Josie Altador getting the nod over Jossie Zardes on Saturday. Yeah,
1: who, who uh, had a quite of a, a terrible first half, you know, has a goal to his name. But if you, if you really watch the game, Jossie Zardes did not play well.
3: No, he hasn't played well and he's been one of the guys I've been ripping on the last week, you know, with all these poor performances and you know, people in Berhalter saying, "We need to learn the system and you know, the media members saying they don't know the system and it's like, well, Josi's artist knows the system and he looks like crap out there right now." But that you just, guys, that just that could just be Josi's artist though.
2: Have you guys ever played pickup basketball where somebody has an atrocious shot? And they keep shooting it, and everyone's like, wow, this guy's just not good. But then all of a sudden, he lucks up and hits the game-winner over two people and, of course, calls it all skill, and you can't claim it was luck because he <laughs> had an amazing shot, and because of that, he gets to keep playing with y'all. Yeah, that's Zardes, because it's just like,
4: <laughs> as what much comparison- as we say— What game-winner
2: much- has he had, though, that's really impacted— yeah, but that's Right. But that's that's the thing. Like when you go back and look, it's not like he's not scoring goals. And even in the friendlies, not the previous ones that just passed, but the ones before that, his hold up play and his, his head, his header flicks and his one touches were great. So it's like he just does enough to where he already has a long leash with Bert Halder, but he just he does just enough to make sure that he can continue to to play. And I think, yeah, even when it comes to accidentally scoring goals, that's all it takes.
1: Jason, we only have you for another minute. So, quickly, do you think Trinidad and Tobago have an opportunity to get a result against this U.S. men's national team who is at least noticing the noise on the outside, a fan base that is edgy, Uh, a very calm, neutral Greg Berhalter, and I guess from from base on purely Ariola's comments, a, a team that is knitted well
2: together at the moment. I didn't think Trinidad and Tobago had a chance to be in the U.S. in qualifiers, and they did. So I guess with that, there's always a chance, right? I think what Trinidad and Tobago can do is they have on their wings Levi Garcia and Nathan Lewis, who are two of the fastest guys in this tournament, Uh, especially Nathan Lewis, to the point it's almost a fault when you watch that game against Panama. He would just beat literally everybody down the field. So when he got to the final third, there was nobody. There was none of his teammates, none of the Panamanian players. It was just, oh, okay, I'm by myself. Um, So I do think when you drag up the left back, If uh, Nick Lima, especially when he goes forward, there's a potential that they can get caught up field too much. And and I don't think the U.S. has anyone in the back that can really keep up with the speed of those two. So those are two possibilities to where you can see kind of Trinidad inviting that offense to come in from the U.S. and then hoping to get that counter and get them down the side Um, because you're not going to see really – trying to build up to a striker. Uh, Trinidad and Tobago brought one striker with them for this whole tournament, and he's not even a striker at, like he's a kind of hybrid winger, midfielder striker. Uh, so they don't have that one person they feel like they can get to like they used to with Kenwin-Jones. Uh, who can prove to finish in the air or uh, on the ground. So I think, yeah, I think countering is the best way to go with Trinidad and Tobago. I would like to see them make changes like putting Hatshaw in the back, who is one of the most athletic players in all of North America. Uh, he's absolutely amazing in the air. He He doesn't lose many battles. And I think, I think, yeah, if Trinidad and Tobago are going to win this game, they're going to have to be super aggressive. Um, they might try to invite pressure in the first 20 minutes, especially if the, the U.S. is going to play calm. But after that, they're just going to have to put the pedal to the metal and hope that they can catch the U.S. off guard.
3: I give uh, Trinidad and Tobago a more than a snowball's chance in hell of actually winning this game. I, That's just, that's just my two cents. But the way the U.S. has been playing recently, I think Trinidad and Tobago – have a decent shot of at least coming away with one point but jason thank you so much for taking time today to join us please tell listeners where we can find you on twitter and uh, anything else you want to plug away
2: uh you can find me at home Sweet soccer
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs> well there you go jason <laughs> appreciate it thanks guys Listeners, question of the day. Did last night's game ease your minds? And honestly, Jake, yeah, we, we we read a lot into this game. And this is what we have to do. We have a game. We have to react to it. We have to see what happens on the pitch. And there are a couple of takeaways. But in the grand scheme of things, this game against Guyana doesn't mean anything. No Although Greg Berhalter's comments about feeling the nerves had me a little bit surprised because this is the 177th ranked team. And I'm going to play those comments one more time for you listeners just to ingrain it in your mind that this is how the U.S. men's national team is actually feeling.
4: First game of a tournament is always a little bit nervy. Uh, you know, I remember back in the day in, in youth soccer, tournaments you know the first game's always right it's always a little bit nervy so you know we expected a lot of the same and and we told the guys um you know enjoy the experience um you know it's competition time and and i felt that we um you know we slowly got out of um the nerves and started playing steven if you are the u.s it is never okay
3: no matter what match you're playing? Whether it's a friendly, whether it's the Gold Cup opener, whether it's the World Cup final. If you are playing a team that is on the same level as the 177th ranked team in the world, Guyana, you should never be "quote unquote" nervy or nervous for the match. It's Guyana.
1: It's most it's, it's I can odd. most
3: people listening to our show right now can't even point to where Guyana is on the map.
1: Well, we tried to explain that to them on a previous episode. That went very, very
3: south. Guyana yeah. is such a big soccer nation or footballing nation that they decided that it was best for them to not pl- uh, play their uh, international soccer in ComiBol, to not go through that confederation for you know playing in the Copa America or even qual- trying to qualify for the World Cup. No, no, no. They said, you know what? Let's go play in Concacaf. <laughs> let's go play. Let's go play in, in the powerhouse that is
1: Concacaf. Listeners, USA versus Trinidad and Tobago, Saturday, 8 p.m. Eastern, First Energy Stadium in Cleveland. Wow. The, the soccer mecca of America, Cleveland, Ohio, Jake. Question really is, is how much crap are we going to hear about Trinidad and Tobago versus USA in 2017? Get ready for that. But that's their next group play in the Gold Cup. Meanwhile, in France, today. Sweden versus the United States, and oh boy, have some comments come flying the U.S. this way?
3: Yeah, Steven, we have uh, we got some fighting words from. Good, this is uh, good. Swedish goalkeeper. I like from Swedish goalkeeper. I'm hoping I'm pronouncing this right. Hedvig Lindahl. Uh, she goes on to say, "They can play the game in the press area if they want. We want to play on the field, and we'll see what happens. Let them talk. We will play."
1: What do you think that's in reaction to? Like the 13 goals and the celebrations and them yapping about it? Or do you think this is directly going back to Hope Solo's comment?
3: This has to bit? be going directly back. This has to be going back directly to Hope Solo's comments 3 years ago. I mean, what else what else would this be? You can't it's not about the celebrations. It's not about all the attention the US got for beating Thailand 13 nothing. This is this is directly related to Hope Solo's comments after Sweden beat the U.S. the 2016 Olympics where Hope Solo called the Swedish national team a bunch of cowards. I wonder if it's smart comments
1: by the Swedish goalkeeper to say this because if you're in the U.S. locker room, it's propaganda now. You post it on every locker room and going, hey, look, you guys are a bunch of talkers.
3: It, it doesn't make any sense, though, for the, for Sweden to give them any any extra motivation or any extra, but I mean, but, but, but here's the thing. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Here, but,
1: but, but does does the U.S. really want to play France in the
3: quarterfinals? I mean, at the rate of which the U.S. is playing right now, I don't think it really matters to them. I thoroughly believe the U.S. is going to steamroll Sweden today.
1: We will see, listeners. Question of the day, did last night's match against Guyana actually settle anything? Obviously, we had quite a bit of a reaction today, but in the grand scheme of things, the answer is pretty much no, it didn't. In fact, it shouldn't have. If your measuring stick is the 177th ranked team in the world, Guyana, then we have other issues. Uh, Follow us at Jake Watroba, at Stephen Jordan, at Unc Sam Soccer Pod, at Home Sweet Soccer. Thanks to Jason for joining the program. Listeners, we'll be back next week with another round of U.S. women's chat, U.S. men's chat. Be on the lookout for some special interviews and send in your thoughts at Unc Sam Soccer Pod. Until next time.